everyone, and welcome to episode 175 of the Social Liability Podcast, the podcast where we discuss those folks in our lives that violate the social contracts that we all agree to live by. I'm your host, The Raz, with my co-host, The Buck, bringing you new and exciting stories from the far reaches of the interwebs. And today's episode is titled, The Exodus from Hell, Part 1. <laughs> So, uh, Buck, t- today's episode is going to be a little different. It's going to hit just a little different in that we are actually, from your perspective out there in, in listening land, you're you're going to hear a slightly shorter episode, maybe. We'll see. Uh, because we're going to film this episode and next week's episode all at the same time. Because this week, I will be leaving the hellhole known as Oklahoma. <laughs> and, I, and I just, I don't know if I'll have my computer set up in time next Saturday. So uh, we are going to, we are going to tape both episodes this week. Um, so if anybody watching on our video version on my Twitch channel, yes, I am wearing the same clothes and <laughs> for episode two. And there is literally no, uh, my set is entirely deconstructed already. If you if you can see the video version, like all my my tchotchkes and pictures and everything are already gone. Uh, there's literally still some hooks on the wall, which I still got to take off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this 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 room um, is probably going to be gone by this afternoon. Everything just torn apart, and I'm not looking forward to that. It is not a fun fun thing to do. Packing or moving, my back already hurts. <laughs> but at the same time, I am so looking forward to getting out of here and just it, it, if, if Buck would quit beating on his desk, we're going to have a great time recording. <laughs> I wasn't beating on it. I swear I was just putting something down. I didn't know it would be like that, man. I'm sorry. You, you peaked my equalizer when you did it. <laughs> it was like a you know boom. What? It's like you pinged a Russian sub. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm just so I'm, I'm so wrapped up in your exodus, you know, that I just couldn't contain myself. I don't know. So you put down a soda can. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't put down a soda can. It was my vape juice container. The soda can would have been far louder. I have a cup holder for that. Fair enough, I suppose. All right, Buck. We're mm-hmm. gonna start with a story from Vice.com. This is. Priceless. <laughs> the fact that they did this. Pornhub blocks all of Utah from its site. Oh, this is great. In response to a new law that requires porn sites to verify users' age, Pornhub has completely disabled its websites for people located in Utah. As of today, anyone accessing Pornhub from a Utah-based IP address doesn't see the Pornhub homepage, but instead they are met with a video of Cherry DeVille, an adult performer and member of the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee, explaining that they won't be able to visit the site. As many of you know, your elected officials in Utah are requiring us to verify your age before allowing you to access our website. While safety and compliance are at the forefront of our mission, giving your ID card every time you wish to visit an adult platform is not the most effective solution to protecting our users, and in fact, will put children uh, and your privacy at risk. 
In addition, mandating age verification without proper enforcement gives platforms the opportunity to choose whether or not to comply. As we've seen in other states, they just this just drives traffic to, uh, to sites with far fewer safety measures in place. Very few sites are able to compare with the robust trust and safety measures we currently have in place. To protect children and user privacy, any legislation may be forced against all platforms offering adult content. Safety of our users is one of our biggest concerns. We believe that the best and most effective solution for protecting children and adults alike is to identify users by their device and allow access to age-restricted materials and websites based on that identification. Until a real solution is offered, we may the difficult decision to comply, completely disable access to our website in Utah. Please contact your representatives before it is too late and demand age-based verification solutions that make the internet safer while also respecting your privacy. <laughs> For those of you unaware, Utah Governor Spencer Cox signed the Online Pornography Viewing Age Requirements into law in March, and it will go into effect May 2nd. A commercial entity that knowingly and intentionally publishes or distributes material harmful to minors on the internet from a website that contains a substantial portion of such material shall be held liable if the entity fails to perform reasonable age verification methods to verify the age of the individual attempting to access the materials, as the law states. It defines harmful materials as materials that exploits, it's devoted to, or principally... principally yeah. Principally, consist of descriptions or actual simulated or animated displays, depictions, or any of the following in a manner patently offensive with respect to minors, including pubic hair, anus, vulva, genitals, or the nipple of the female breast. Why just the female? Touching, caressing, or fondling of nipples, breasts, buttocks, anuses, or genitals, or sexual intercourse, masturbation, sodomy, bestiality, oral copulation, flagellation, <laughs> excretory functions, exhibitions, or any other sexual acts. <laughs> In January, Pornhub started requiring uh, verification from Louisiana-based users following the passage of law that makes porn sites liable for content deemed quote, harmful to minors. Several copyright bills started moving through the state legislature with varying success, including Arkansas, which recently passed its version into law. In 2016, Utah declared porn a public health crisis and an epidemic that is harming the citizens of Utah and the nation. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there's the rub, <laughs> recently and historically represented the majority of legislatures in Utah, and in 2009, Utah considered the online porn capital of the United States, with most porn customers logging in, <laughs> logging on in the nation. In 2021, Cox signed a law that would require device manufacturers to add adult content features on all smartphones and tablets sold in Utah. Experts say that age verification doesn't work to protect children online. It only works to drive material that is harmful minors to less safe places on the internet while exposing adults to more risk of identity theft, private data hacks, and extortion. Immediately after uh, SB 287 passed the House and Senate, residents there started discussing how to best use virtual private networks to keep accessing porn. <laughs> oh, geez, that's you know, great. <laughs> I'm just, I have a hard time standing behind any state's ration. 
like, oh, we're doing this to protect the children. Oh, we're doing this to protect the children. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Aren't you the same state that's lobbying for 12-year-olds to be able to get married? Like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, are are we, are we, are, is that the hill you're going to die on here with this? So you're actually literally sectioning off your laws to contradict each other based on your book. Okay. Yep. And you don't think that anybody can see through your fucking slurry of shit here? Like, come come on, man. But come the, the funny, fuck on. The funny thing is, is they're talking about, you know, people immediately start talking about using VPNs to get around being Utah-based so they can access pornography. Um, one, there's more websites out there than Pornhub, but Pornhub is a... Uh, it is the one, one of, if not the, I'd have to actually research it to find out, largest networks it's not just that one website they actually have many they've bought many throughout the years but their websites are considered to be some of the safest out there because there's not the threats of malware or anything once you become popular enough people will you know keep an eye on you when you're doing shady shit so they they're not they're known for not doing that that shady shit and right the, the problem they're, they're running into now is people are like, okay, well, we're going to use a VPN. No big deal. Well, there's currently laws going through a bunch of state legislatures, including the federal government, which I think will get vetoed, but uh, that will ban v use of VPNs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, it's, it, this is, this is the, like... <sighs> Talk about hypocrisy. That's that's all this boils down to. I just, you know, Pornhub is is a, essentially a business who is filling a very specific niche and doing it in a very safe, sane, and consensual way. And, you know, the state legislature of Utah, for whatever reason, is choosing to stymie them for whatever reasons and still advocates for the, you know, ability to marry a fucking 12-year-old. And and I just... But, Buck, we got to protect again, the children. We got to protect the children. Right. So, like We got to protect like, the children by keeping them away from porn and marrying them as quickly as possible. Right. <laughs> I mean, talk about... Like, that's not even a good fucking made-up solution. Like, even in fantasy world, I don't see how that would work. I just don't see that being a solution. And why would... It, like, if it wouldn't work in a storybook, what the fuck makes you think you should try it in real life? Well, here's another thing, Buck. Like, I, I grew up in a time before the internet. <laughs> Believe it or not. The pre-internet times, you know? Yes, we are older than Google. <laughs> we are older than Google, yes. Um, and let me ask you this. Did you have woods near your house? Like trees and like a small grove or a forest of any kind? Dude, it was my favorite fucking video game. <laughs> right. And what did you always find hmm. in the woods? Trees. Trees and porn. I don't know why. It, it's such a weird phenomena. But you, you actually... I never found porn in the woods. I found woods porn. I absolutely found woods porn. You know, <laughs> we had magazines that we would just find <laughs> just fucking find in the woods <laughs> and then you, you you would 
you know, find a dry place to keep your magazines and bam, everyone had, we had forest porn. Um, and it, you're, it, my, my point is, I want, I want that. My, my point is miners are going to find porn. I don't care about your point, man. I want forest porn. <laughs> like I missed out. I missed out on that. I really feel as you did it to me again. Damn it. You did it to me again. You sank my fucking submarine of life. You screen doored on my submarine of life, and it is now sunk. I never got to experience forest porn. <laughs> wherever you're, you're I've done a lot. Of, wherever you're I've ingesting this podcast, day, man. wherever you're ingesting this podcast, uh, whether it be on my Twitch stream, uh, on YouTube, if I end up uploading it to YouTube, uh, on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts, whatever, leave us a comment about your experience with forest porn. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I have no other choice but to live vicariously through the forced porn of others. Please regale me with your stories in the <laughs> comments section. All right, Buck, let's talk about Russia, shall we? <laughs> from forced porn to Russia. Why not, man? Why this, not? This comes from The Independent. A Russian forces suffer radiation sickness after digging trenches and fishing in Chernobyl. <laughs> Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do I even have to read the story? Oh, my God. Russian troops who dug trenches in Chernobyl forest during their occupation of the area have been struck down with radiation sickness, authorities have confirmed. Ukrainians living near the nuclear power station that exploded 37 years ago and choked the surrounding area in radioactive contaminants warned the Russians when they arrived against setting up camp in the forest. But the occupiers, who, as one resident put it to the Times, understood the risk but were just thick, <laughs> installed themselves in the forest, reportedly carving out trenches, fishing in the reactor's cooling channel, flushing, flushed with catfish, and shot animals, leaving them dead on the roads. Reactor number four, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, exploded in tw on the 26th of April in 1986. It is commonly referred to as the world's worst civil nuclear incident. Scores died as a result of the USSR collapse less than six years later. The city of, I, I'm going to try, Pripyat? Pripyat. 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 Yes. <laughs> and the 30-kilometer exclusion zone surrounding it were emptied of their citizens and the cleanup scheduled for the end of 2065. In the year, in the years after the incident, teams of men were sent to dig up the contaminated topsoil and bury it below ground in the Red Forest, named after the color of the trees as a result of the catastrophe. On the 24th of February of 2022, Russian forces crossed into Chernobyl uh, from Belarus, where they remained for five weeks. I started yelling at them, Chernobyl resident Baba Hanna 90 told the Times, recounting a confrontation with the invading forces. I tried to give them political information explaining what was happening in their country. I am a Russian speaker. I asked them what they were doing there, and they thought they were liberating. <laughs> Vladimir Putin's men reportedly set up camp within a six-mile radius of reactor number four and dug defensive positions into the poisonous ground below the surface. On 1 April, Ukrainian troops mounted counterattacks from Kiev, 
the last of the occupiers withdrew, leaving behind piles of rubbish. Russian soldiers stationed in the forest have since struck down with radiation sickness, diplomats have confirmed. Symptoms can start within hours of exposure and last for several months, often resulting in death. Try not to find logic. It's stupid. <laughs> Said a 30-year-old tour guide <laughs> turned employee of the state ministry responsible for the exclusion zone. <laughs> oh, that's just great. That is just great. I think Buck's having a coughing fit, or he's muted and doesn't no, realize I, it. No, I, I was. I was. I was coughing, but... You know, as funny as I think this is, I, again, have a real sour spot for that whole conflict over there. And I have a hard time making fun of those boys, uh, the Russian soldiers, because the majority of them don't want to fucking be there. I'm telling you, do your fucking research on it, man. You want to hear about some slimy shit. Like, those kids over there, yeah, they're fishing in the stream, they're digging trenches... Because they have no idea what the fuck else to even do. They don't have education. They have literally been plucked out of their homes like thieves in the fucking night, thrown on a train, put on the front lines. God knows that they're even given a uniform. They're told when they're conscripted, show up with this shit or you're going to be cold and you're going to be fucking hungry. They don't give them guns. They don't, they don't give them shit. They put them out there on the fucking front line and say, figure it out. So you know what? They dig holes and they try and survive. And you know what? I think it is pretty funny because they should know better. They really should. Like, you know, propaganda is what it is. They think they're over there liberating is, is, is what the one resident said. And you know what? I believe that. Those, those, that's exactly what those kids are brainwashed into thinking. And you know what? If you don't think that it's possible, remember that we're talking about people that are fishing in the fucking Chernobyl cooling like lake channel you know <laughs> cooling channel like that's where these kids are fishing that's where they're digging trenches and you don't think that they can be led to believe that they're in there as a liberating force like come on come on you know and they don't even train those kids either you know i was watching i was watching videos with a with a veteran friend of mine and he looked at me and he goes you know what when they told us when they told our, our boys that they had to go to fucking war, they at least trained them for, you know, the entire full training period before they sent them over there. Like, they're not even, they're, they're waking them up, they're saying, bring your shit. They give them a packing list of their own shit they all, that, that they have to bring or fucking else you will go without. And then they send them to the front line. No training, no basic, no nothing. No chain of command. It's all a fucking just pomp and circumstance smoke and mirrors show over there and you know what of course we got kids fishing for catfish in the cooling channel of chernobyl because they're hungry and they have no other food to eat those kids are over there starving and they're cold and they're hungry i'm sorry i didn't mean to go down a dark path it's just i got a real fucking problem with that shit that that slimy ass fucking putin's doing over there it's completely completely with no purpose and now you got kids fishing for fucking food in Chernobyl, dickhead. Fuck you. Sorry, man. Go go for it, Raz. Whatever you got to add. Let, I'm just kind of letting you go, man. That's all. No, uh, man. I just uh, this shit just pisses me off. Well, our next story comes from NPR. <laughs> 
Arkansas woman pleads not guilty to selling over 20 boxes of stolen human parts. <laughs> this is not the first time we've told these stories. <laughs> An Arkansas woman has pled not guilty to charges she stole body parts from medical school cadavers and sold them through Facebook for $11,000. Candace Chapman Scott, a 36-year-old mortuary service worker, is accused of selling 20 boxes of everything from human skin to skulls to a man in Pennsylvania, according to a federal grand jury indictment unsealed by the Little Rock Court on Friday. I wonder if this might have to do with that story we did in Pens we did about in Pennsylvania when they were having I'm that convention. I was just thinking that. We did, I was just that, thinking that. That was a while back, but... Scott was charged with 12 counts of mail fraud, wire fraud, and interstate transportation of stolen property. A lawyer representing her did not immediately return a phone call from NPR requesting comment. According to court documents, Scott worked for a company that offered commercial cremation services. On One of their clients was an, uh, uh, an, I can't pronounce it, <laughs> an anatomy lab at the University of Arkansas, which used donated cadavers for medical education and research. One of the company's scheduled pickup days, she messaged the owner of a Facebook group explaining she had acquired the corpses. Named Oddities, <laughs> the private Facebook group contained about 380 members and bills itself as a safe way to shop. I follow your well, page. Safety first, folks. Safety first. Safety first. I follow your page and work and love it, Scott wrote the owner, according to the indictment. Just out of curiosity, would you know anyone in the market for a fully intact and embalmed brain? Scott sent pictures of the two brains and a heart. The man offered twenty I'm sorry, uh, twelve hundred dollars via PayPal and gave Scott pointers on how to ship the three organs to him in Enola, Pennsylvania, via the United States Postal Service. Of course, the I think but this is the same dude, man. I think this is the same dude. I think it might be. Uh, of course, <laughs> over the course of the next nine months, Scott proceeded to ship to the man an ear, an arm, lungs, livers, kidneys, hands, breasts, penises, fetuses, skin, skulls, and one whole human head. In exchange, he paid her $10,975 in 16 separate PayPal transfers. Each time, Scott returned the rest of the remains cremated to the school. The indictment does not name the buyer, but separate charges connect the case to a resident, Jeremy Lee Pauly, 40. Pauly was charged by a Cumberland County criminal court for four counts of receiving stolen property, including intending to participate in unlawful activity and abusing a corpse. Pauly's lawyer did not immediately return NPR's request for comment. Police were tipped off to Polly's purchase in June of 2022, according to a press release announcing his arrest. In July, a caller uh, reportedly finding human organs and human skin resting in three five-gallon buckets in Polly's basement. This is the same guy. Officials confirmed the report, confiscated all the remains, and intercepted an additional set of packages containing parts as they were being shipped to Scranton. Polly's Facebook page is still selling a human hand and full set of human ribs, which Polly says came from France. A, a website bearing the name describing him as a, uh, preser a preservation specialist who works to produce educational tools through reconditioning retired medical remains. A spokesman for the University of Arkansas Medical School told NPR the school is appalled that anyone would desecrate medical donations for their own gain. Human bodies are an indispensable aid in the edu education of medical students. We are extremely respectful of our donors when they are in our care. 
each year the school holds a ceremony for medical students to honor the deceased uh, donors they have helped uh, supplement their education. Taylor says they partner with local uh, cemeteries to house the ashes or return them to the families upon request. Taylor said the FBI is trying to identify which cadavers were impacted, but it is a challenge given that the embalming process affects DNA. Uh, the school and the cremation company knew nothing of the sales until they were contacted by the FBI last summer. Uh, the company fired Scott immediately. <laughs> Scott is being is in custody with a bail hearing scheduled for Tuesday. Her trial is set to begin on May 30th. It is the same guy. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I think I had the same opinion before that I do now. And that is this, like, okay, stealing donated remains and selling them for your own profit is wrong. But selling medical remains is not wrong. Like, let's just let's just section this off. You know, the only reason why the why the main parent organization isn't selling them is because they're well, I don't even know if they are selling them. They get them for free. They're donated remains. I don't know. I don't know what the process is, but if I do. they weren't donated, I know you do, and I, I want you to explain it, because you did the last time we covered this story, too. But the fact of the matter is this. Somebody's making money off of this shit. I, they, they have to be. Somebody has to be making money off of this. So let's not, let's not bastardize or, or you know, really sling shit on the business end of this. That's the way the world fucking works. All right? It's a business. This man stole, or this person stole, and that is wrong. But the, the fact that he's selling remains and stuff like that, if people are going to buy it, then somebody's going to fucking sell it. That's the way the world works. Okay? He did an illegal business transaction. If he would have done a legal business transaction, it would have been reported by the IRS because he would have paid his fucking taxes. And that would have been the end of it. Like it would have never made the podcast. So let's just let's just focus on on the on the on the verifiable like bad part of this, which is the theft aspect. Selling medical remains, to me, at least in my opinion, is not wrong. Somebody needs it, then fucking sell it. I mean, so, why not? So here's how uh, donations work. Uh, I I spoke to an individual who uh, was at a facility I was working at. Collecting a body. Uh, the organization, uh, I'm not even going to mention their name, but it, it's a very well-known organization. Uh, so the bodies are donated. They, the, the families receive nothing. And they will come in, and it's just some kid in a backpack. Usually it's a med student. Uh, they show up with a backpack, a little Jan Sport backpack, nothing special. Uh, and they go down to the, the morgue, and they start hacking. And I mean, they start hacking. It is, it is really quite horrific. Uh, there, there's, n there's no like, oh, well, we need to keep the body nice for the funeral. No, no, no. And they will take everything they can. They had this, this one device for taking the eyeballs, which was kind of neat. But you know, they'll take femurs and they'll, they'll take every organ they can get their hands on that wasn't already taken by the transplant team. Uh, they will. They are looking to sell every single bit of that body. And from my uh, talking to this person, they indicated to me that the company receives about two hundred and sixty thousand dollars 
for every body they harvest. There you go. And they don't even, like, the family gets nothing out of that, which I think is the, the biggest the biggest problem for me, is they could at least pay for the funeral. They could at least pay for the I funeral. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. But, you know, the fact that there's a business behind it, that, that's not a bad thing. Well, no, see, what's a, what, a, what, a, thing. what a bad thing is, is that they try to they tell people, like, you know, this is a gift. You're giving the, a gift to... To people that are are that that need these parts or these organs, what you, what they're not saying is, you know that, that that'd be like going to to you, Buck, as a farmer and say, you know, we're going to help starving kids. Can I have half of your crops? And you're like, you know what? I feel for that. I don't want kids to starve. Here, here's half my crops. And then that company takes those crops, goes down to where the homeless are, and sells them the 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 the, the, the crops. I mean, that's that's the it's the it's the best analogy I can give to this whole thing. You are you are preying on people, thinking they are doing the right thing, and in a lot of ways they are. But then you are making a profit off of it. At least be honest and say, listen, you know, we're willing to give you ten thousand dollars for for this these parts, and you know, but they can make whatever profit they want. Then I don't care, but. Just the whole concept. I actually, of, I agree with that. I agree. I agree with you on that one. That is kind of fucked up. You're preying on people and, and thinking they're doing the right thing, but in reality, they're just lining someone's pockets. So that's that's my problem yeah. with it. Anywho, that was kind of neat though. That it was a story we covered like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice little update on that. About without even realizing it. Our next story comes from Australia, but. It's about a Florida man. Oh, shoot. I still haven't fixed that yet. Dang it. Well, either way, he's way down under. He is way down under. Florida man sparks backlash after winning all women's tournament. <laughs> a Florida man is facing backlash after competing in a women's poker tournament and winning. Dave Hughes, 70, from Delton, Florida, participated in a $250 no-limit Texas Hold'em game at the World Series of Poker Ladies event at Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, over the weekend. The social media was quick to skewer the gambler for his entry into the $17,430 prize pool. <laughs> Hughes was allowed to enter the female tournament alongside 82 other women. Per its anti-discrimination legislation, Florida casinos, by law, cannot ban men from entering into a women's tournament. Nevada also prohibits excluding men from competing in women's tournaments. The event had a hefty tag, $10,000 U.S. buy-in, with women earning a 90% discount to deter males from entering. Hughes took home $5,555 after beating out poker player uh, Dana... I can't pronounce it. Who placed second? Hughes disregarded uh, the all-female competition set off a wave of controversy. Pro poker player Ebony Kenny took to Twitter to put out a bounty which rewards players trying to eliminate another on Hughes. Uh, Dave here is the only man. While we appreciate the dead money, I really wish men would uh, get to where these events stand for. So I put a $300 bounty on his head and Tamara and Noah uh, Pederet matched it. <laughs> uh, 
Others like British male professional poker player Charlie Carroll also chimed in on Twitter. It pokes fun at the idea that anybody can identify as a woman and be allowed to enter women's spaces. It does suck that it comes at the expense of women's only spaces. I wouldn't do it. It, uh, it does speak loudly to the insanity which, uh, that is playing out on a larger scale. Poker Hall of Famer Linda Johnson said via Poker News, I love ladies-only poker tournaments. I would love, uh, I would have no problem with them having a men's only, and I wouldn't enter it as I do not qualify for it. She added that she would have no qualms over a tournament of 26-year-old motorcycle-riding mohawk haircut seniors, and I wouldn't enter it because I wouldn't qualify. Hughes is the first man to go all-in on a women's poker tournament. Former World Series of Poker Circuit event winner Abraham not even going to try, won the pot in a ladies' no-limit Texas Hold'em event at Atlantic City in Bogota Poker Open. So, <laughs> he paid an exorbitant amount. And if I'm trying to get this correct, he his entry fee was $10,000. And he won the tournament and only walked away with like $5,500. Yeah. See, you know, I I guess this is like somebody's fucked up way of making a statement or making a stand or whatever, whatever, whatever. And, you know, on the one side of things, I completely agree. Women sh- women's only events should be just for women, in my opinion. In my opinion, if you're if you're holding a woman's only event, only women should attend. However, however, I am only one of seven or 8 billion people, in my opinion, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't mean shit. We, as a society, are promoting equal rights for everyone. We don't have genders. You know, we're trying to break all the norms. And now what? We're going to sit here and piddle and cry because somebody's taking advantage of it? Are you surprised? I mean, like, why Why are we sitting here like, egad, I can't believe it. Oh, come on, people. Come on. You know the second you make a rule like this, it opens the avenue for a loophole. And if you make a loophole, somebody's going to exploit it. And that's all this guy is doing. He didn't do anything wrong. He really didn't. I I see no flag on the fucking play other than the fact that he's a man competing in a women's only event. He didn't rake anybody over the coals. He didn't make out like a bandit. He even paid the registration or the buy-in fee, which was a lot more than the women's had to pay. He had to pay more to be there, and he still did it. So, I mean, like, yeah, you know, you know, you got all these people saying, well, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done this. Yes, again, you wouldn't have. You are one of eight billion. I am one of eight billion. You can't you can't open up the door and expect and 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 then and expect people to not walk through it. And that's all this guy did. Kudos to him. I mean, like if I'm hearing all this right, all he did was participate in the women's tournament and was you know again, this is just me playing devil's advocate here, but again in the in the day and age that we live in where everybody should be accepted and welcomed. Uh, it doesn't sound like he was very much accepted or welcome to be in that particular place. 
So what exactly, what exact, what message are we trying to send here is my, is what I would ask. Like, are we a completely equal, you know, 100% inclusive society? Is that, is that the way we are headed? Because if so, then we shouldn't have a problem with something like this happening. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off. Did I, did I hear all this wrong, Raz? Or, or am I? No. And I get, I'm trying like really hard to articulate this correctly. When you have um, a rule for one, but not, you know, it was good for thee is not good for me. That comes to mind. You know, we, we, you know, we, we are trying to be inclusive in any way, shape or form, but when somebody who you see as the oppressor, or the, in other words, the old white male enters a, an event that's specifically designed for women, then that's, you know, he, he's automatically a, a transphobe or, or something of that nature or a homophobe or just an asshole. But you know, if you if you were to just switch that around and say it was an all men's tournament, and a woman answer, a woman entered, you know that would be, it would not have the same kind of backlash. So, yeah, I mean it was kind of a dick move, and it was an expensive fucking uh, flex to make because you're still out, you won, but you're still yeah. out five grand, dumbass. Um, like what mess? Like what? What did what did he actually accomplish? Other than losing five grand, exactly. You know, like what a what a fucking like. And now we're gonna make fun of him. For, like, we're gonna make fun of him for being in a women's tournament. Why don't we make fun of him for walking away five thousand dollars poorer than what he was after being the winner? He was the winner and walked away five thousand dollars poorer than than. Come on, great win, buddy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. It, like, are you even gonna hang the fucking certificate that you got up on your wall? Like, winner of the whatever, whatever women's poker tournament. Jeff. Like, I wouldn't see that going. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is he gonna put that up in his study? Okay. Like, this dude didn't enter this <laughs> poker. He didn't enter the poker tournament to win money. This man, I can only assume that he had an agenda, and I, I can't imagine what agenda you have that's worth $10,000 or five grand to fucking, you know, promote, but whatever. He felt strongly enough about it to where he did it and he won and he didn't do anything against the rules. People shouldn't complain. What's good for thee is also good for me. And, and that's, that's just the way that it is. That's the way the world's moving. You can't, can't complain about it. Fair you gotta enough. let it happen. Well, our next story comes from WKRG. Then this is another Florida story, and I'm going to try because I think I fixed it. Florida man, Florida man, does whatever the fuck he can. Makes headlines every time. Florida's paradigm. Look out! Here comes Florida man. Indeed, here comes a Florida man who left his autistic child home alone, its store owner, and claims to be with the FBI. <laughs> Okay, uh, Okaloosa County Sheriff's deputies rushed to a local home when a suspect they arrested at a convenience store told them he left his three-year-old autistic child alone. Deputies were called to the 24-7 food mart around 2.30 a.m. Thursday after receiving a report of an assault and a robbery. 
Deputies arrived and found Ryan Williamson, 39, of Fort Walton Beach, Williamson, allegedly entered the store around 2 a.m. and told the store owner he wanted items even though his credit card was declined. He also told the owner he was part of the FBI. The release said Wilson, Will, Williamson left the store but returned, at which time he went behind the cash register and took cigarettes from a display area. At 2.30 a.m., he allegedly returned to the store for a third time and attempted to steal a $500 display item. The owner told deputies he tried to stop Williamson, that Williamson punched him in the chest. <laughs> the owner, of all the places, he was going to punch him in the chest. Come on. The owner chased Williamson out with a baseball bat. Deputies tried to arrest Williamson, but he tried to break free. What? Deputies tried to arrest Williamson, but he tried to break free. Okay. A deputy then deployed his taser, but it had no effect, and Williamson grabbed it. Eventually, deputies were able to take him into custody. While in custody, he told deputies he had a three-year-old autistic child at home alone. Deputies hurried to the home and found the child unharmed. Williamson was charged with robbery, resisting an officer, child neglect, and depriving an officer of a protective device. It's a weird charge. Uh, so basically, the yeah. guy is just a piece of shit. I mean, that's what it comes He's down to. He's a real handful. Real pain in the ass to cops. Mm -hmm. You gotta love the people. And apparently, the, the, the less lethal devices have no effect on. <laughs> I love those people. <laughs> I I wish I wish the report would have just said that he missed. Because, you know, I I there are people that the taser does not have an effect on. There are they they do exist. They are out there, but there are not many. You had well, I, I have a feeling the taser wouldn't work on you. Seriously, maybe, it, it, maybe people, not. People that have neurological disorders, it, Taser does not work on them. But there's also other things. I wouldn't. There. I Go wouldn't ahead. be. You know what though? Maybe that's why I was always able to withstand. Because uh, when we were when we were corrections officers, we used to have to certify with the EBID and the EBID shield, which is like a Taser, except it doesn't shoot anything out, and they never bothered me. Like. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's making my leg flex wherever you're hitting me. But, like, I could still punch you in the fucking mouth if you don't take it off of me. Like, I don't feel like I can't move my whole body. Yep. You know, maybe maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. That's but then, weird. But there's it's other weird things that too. you uh, made that connection. Like, OC, Olea Resin Capsicum, doesn't affect me. I, I can function. Uh, now, CS gas, screw you. Screw you and everything about you. Um... I can deal with OC. I can't deal with CS. But, you know, <laughs> when any time a cop pulls a taser or OC and it has no effect, they flip their shit because they're not used to that happening. It doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. Okay, Buck. I just think it's more likely the cop might have missed. I don't know. But either way, let's move along. Next story comes from CBS12.com. This is our little. Yeah, this is our last story. <laughs> this happened in Port St. Lu Lucia, Florida. A man from Miami was busted for stealing 658 gallons of diesel fuel from a 7-Eleven. <laughs> this is the second time in less than a week people from the city have been accused of committing grand theft crimes in the area. 
According to Port St. Lucia Police, 29-year-old Jose Barrios Pizarro was arrested after officers responded to the St. Lucia West 7-Eleven Thursday afternoon, where they found Pizarro pumping fuel into a spare gas tank in the bed of his truck. When officers arrived, Pizarro reportedly got into his truck and attempted to flee, but did not get far before officers took him into custody. During the investigation, police found a key to a nearby trash can that gave uh, Pizarro access to the inner electric electronic sections of the gas pump which followed him uh, which allowed him to install a device that allowed him to steal large quantities of fuel for a fraction of the cost in total detectives said one thousand nine hundred and sixty seven dollars and six hundred and fifty eight gallons of fuel were lost over three separate incidents and days damn <laughs> wow 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 it's a lot of gas Diesel, but yeah. A lot of diesel. Well, I mean, the world's a funny place now, man. You know, people are doing what they got to do to get by. Not Again, not saying that it's right. It's just, you know, keep in mind, you know, the world's, the world's moving down a funny, funny track. And, um, you know, this is just one example of it. You know, people are, people are starting to get hard up for resources, and now they're doing what they got to do. I'm sorry. I, I was looking. Oh. At, I was looking at the website, and there was another story that caught my eye. It's really short, so I'm gonna go ahead and add it in here. Couples choreograph suicide by guillotine ends with heads rolling into fire altar. <laughs> New Delhi, India. There are these. These two are not Romeo and Juliet, but they could almost be mistaken for King Louis and Queen Marie Antoinette. A couple in India committed suicide using something like a guillotine to decapitate themselves, and then they added in the element of fire. Police said they did this as a sacrificial ritual. The couple first prepared a fire altar, a police inspector said, before putting their heads under a guillotine-like mechanism held by a rope. As soon as they released the rope, an iron blade fell on them, severing their heads, which rolled into the fire. The apparently well-choreographed finale for... I'm not going to try to pronounce their names. I'll butcher them. Uh, took place over the weekend in a hut on their farm in the state of uh, Gujarat in India. Uh, they found a suicide note and left behind uh, their parents and two children. Fire is considered sacred to Hindus and is used in several rituals. Holy crap. <laughs> so they committed suicide, leaving their children to their parents. Their children and parents survived them, is what they're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I hope their children were at least adults, man. Well, the 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 couple was only uh, thirty eight and thirty five, so. Oh no, those poor kids. So what happened to your parents? Well, they cut their heads off and rigged it so their heads would roll into a fire. Holy crap! Yeah, funny stuff. Funny story, but you're not going to believe me, but it's true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's a pretty... I, that's I, a, I, you know... That's a, I mean, it's a downer of a story, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? you got to be kind of impressed by it. I mean, talk about a commitment. You know, I mean, don't you think divorce would have been an easier way? Till death do his part, really, really, like you guys took that to took that to heart. 
Well, you guys really took it, got you, ahead they, of yourselves. They, they took it to hearth. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, well. That's the first time you've made a pun. That's yeah, the I... first time you've made a pun. And the entire time we've been doing this podcast, that's the first time you've done it. Oh, my God. Episode 175 is magic. Sorry. <laughs> All right, folks. That's going to bring us to an end of the Exodus from Hell episode part one. Make sure you check us out next week for episode uh, 176, the Exodus from Hell episode part two. I'm folks, and the Raz. He is the Buck, wishing you all a happy and safe week, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Social Liability Podcast. <laughs>